Did y'all have a pretty good week? Well, I want to tell you, I made a slight mistake, and it's not Teresa's fault when she put that bulletin together. The title that she put in there is not right. It's not her fault, it's mine. I was working on three different sermons this week, and I, don't, I wasn't sure where the Lord wanted it to go, and I gave her the wrong title. I'm sure no, nobody else has ever done something like that. Turn to Matthew 12, 31. The, the verses in the bulletin is right. It's just the wrong title. Matthew 12, 31. Now I'll give you all a few minutes to get there. We're not in a rush this morning, are we? We're in God's house. We're not supposed to be in a rush. But y'all keep me in prayer because I'm working on one for you that it's going to take a lot. It's going to be a lot of information. I thought I'd have it ready for today, but it wasn't even close. So y'all just keep me in prayer that the Lord will lead me in it. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Wherever or wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto man, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto man. And whoever, whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye be an evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the treasures of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of his evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words they shall be justified, and by thy words thou shall be condemned. Almost scary, isn't it? Paul tells us, this is just one verse, you don't have to turn to it. Paul tells us in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Do you say we need a Savior? Yeah, we need a Savior because we can't make it on our own. But what Jesus said about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit it's the Holy Ghost. I hope nobody has ever gone that far. And I really don't think most people ever would. They'll use God's name in vain. I, you know, we talked about that last week. It, God's name carries a weight, carries authority. They'll do that, but that's forgivable. It worries me, though, how people in this world put so little concern on the way they live and the way they talk. If you're out in public very much and around, around people, in, maybe in your workplace, there's going to be at least one guy that 
uses God's name in a way he shouldn't to, to on a regular basis. We all know that. When I was working the oil fields down there in South Texas, I had a guy, he was determined that's the way he was going to talk. And I finally pulled him aside very privately and told him, I said, look, I'm a preacher and that bothers me, you doing that. Would you at least, if you're going to do it, hinder it, at least refrain from it while you're around me? He mostly did. He said, I didn't even realize I was doing it that much. I said, I didn't think you did, but that's why I pulled you aside privately. I didn't want to do it in front of the guys. I wanted to do it privately where the men you could talk privately. Whether he ever changed his life entirely or not, I don't know. He quit and went on, moved on, so I don't know. But the fact is, that's the way people are. They don't think about what they do a lot of times. You may be thinking, well, the way those scriptures taught, I don't hardly stand a chance. You may have committed a multitude of sins. I walked back there to get a bottle of water this morning. Brother Marvin was talking about how many sins that we commit. It's true. We don't go through a day that we don't sin in some manner. But it don't matter what you've done. Jesus still loves you. He still wants to forgive you. You may have committed adultery, murder, lying, greed. You may have worshipped some other god. You might have been a thief or be a thief. Use God's name in vain. All these are in the Ten Commandments. You'll be judged according to them if that's what you want to be judged by. Or would you rather be judged by the covering of Jesus' blood over your life? Did you feel the Holy Spirit talking to you six months ago and you ignored it? Or did you feel the Holy Spirit a month ago? That still small voice speaking to you. You need to change your life. You need to get right with, with Jesus. Did you ignore it? Did you hear it last week? Did you ignore it? You do know if you keep ignoring it, one day he's going to say, enough. They're a lost cause. Move on. That's a scary thought, isn't it? That you'll never hear from Christ again. You'll never feel the calling of the Holy Spirit. It's going to make you a cold, lonely, empty person. It's not something you want. I cannot remember the name of the pastor that gave this story. So I'm giving him credit, whoever it was. There was a deacon in his church, and I may have told you all this, and if I have, bear with me for the ones that haven't heard it. There was a deacon in this church that he left church one day, got to a stop sign, and God told him, said, if you drive away from here, this is your last opportunity for me to get your attention. He said it hit him like a sledgehammer to the head. 
It didn't matter who was blowing their horn. It didn't matter who was getting mad. He realized he had to get right with Christ right then and right there. And he did. But think about it. A deacon playing at church. If he wasn't saved, he was playing at it, right? How many men are that way? How many women are that way? They put on a good show. They do everything right. But they're not saved. One day God may just say, say to the Holy Spirit, they're a lost cause, move on. You don't want to go there. I promise you, you don't want to go there. Hebrews 9, 27 tells us, For it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Now, do you want Jesus to be your judge or your Savior? That's your two choices. In these verses we read, there was just a few verses before that, if you was to back up, where Jesus had healed a man, and the Pharisees said he, he healed him by the power of Beelzebub. And I blowed that one out of the water. I know I didn't pronounce it right. But anyhow, one of the, prin the prince of the devils. How foolish is that? Jesus asked him. Matthew 12, 25, and Jesus said, Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. How can Satan drive out Satan? They were standing there, the Pharisees, some of their own people had drove out demons and they were saying that Jesus was controlled by Satan and doing the work of Satan. That's pushing pretty close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit, I would say. And the way that people are in this world nowadays, they don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about salvation. But I can promise you, they might not want to hear it, but every knee is going to bow and every mouth is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. For the one that flatly denies the existence of God, he will bow down and admit that he is Savior. He is Jesus, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Would you rather repent and give your life to Jesus and have him as a savior or a judge? That's the bottom line, isn't it? And we still have time right now. The rapture hasn't happened. Grace is still available. So why are we putting them off? If people really cared about their souls, this church would be full. If people really cared about their soul. And how many people have you heard say, well, I just sell my soul to the devil. It don't matter. It don't mean nothing to me. Yeah, it means a lot to you. You might have 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years here on this earth. 
But your soul has eternity. And eternity is a long, long time. Jesus talked a lot about repenting. So did John the Baptist. We don't know how many times that they said repent. But we're, we're sure of this much, ain't we? It was a lot of times. And I want you to stop and think for a minute. If you're saved, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is living in you. Are you walking your life daily as if Jesus is standing right there? Because he sees everything you do. God has the perfect bookkeeping. Every idle word, everything you say or do, every thought you have is recorded. Do you want it used against you? Because that's what you'll be judged on if you turn away from Jesus. It don't matter what you've done. I had a guy tell me one time, if you ever committed adultery, you, it's done. You're, you're through. You're done. You're going to hell. No. Jesus warns us. Matthew 5, 28, But I say unto you that whoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in his heart. Ladies, don't think you get away with this because I think he would say that same thing to y'all because y'all can lust just like we can. But think about it. Jesus warns us, didn't he? But what happened whenever they brought the woman to him that was caught in the act? He didn't argue with them that she was guilty. But who was the only one that could throw the first stone? He said, let him that was without sin throw the first stone. Who was the only one that could have? Jesus. And he didn't. When he told them that, they all just turned and walked away. Jesus is the only one that could help, and he didn't. He told her, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. So anybody that tells you Jesus can't forgive is wrong. He will forgive you of pretty well everything. There's not hardly anything you can't get forgiven for. And I would say there probably is not anything you couldn't get forgiven for that you say against Jesus. Now I know a guy, I think a lot of him. Me and him had a conversation once. He tried to convince me that John 3.16 don't mean what it says. He put a comma in, the plate, in place where there's not no comma. That he believed that if you... Once you were saved, if you ever commit another sin, period, period, you're totally lost and you have to start all over. I tried to tell him that's not what he says. But if Jesus didn't finish the work on the cross when he said it is finished, then what did that mean? 
finished means that it's done. It's over. It, there's nothing else to do. So Jesus said it is finished. If it's finished, then what this buddy of mine was saying is not appropriate. It don't apply. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Once you're saved, you're saved. Yeah, you'll sin. Yeah, you'll fall short. But you live on grace so you can come back. You can, at the end of the day, you say, yeah, Lord, you're right. I've messed up big time today. I'm, I'm falling on your grace and asking for mercy. Forgive me. Guess what? He will. Now, grace don't give us a free pass. We can't just go do whatever we please. Like I said, before you do something, look at it as if Jesus is standing there watching you. Do you want him to see you do it? He's going, he's going to. So do you want him to see you do it? Or do you want to put the Holy Spirit in a sinful situation? He's holy. It says Holy Spirit. He's holy. He has no sin. So do you want to put him in a, whole, in a, a sinful situation? I don't. I probably have in many times. But I repented of it. And asked the Lord to forgive me. But think of another way. If, if you was in love with somebody and they didn't really show that they loved you too much but they kept doing things, doing this, doing that, doing that and you would forgive them every time they come back and ask forgiveness. But they kept going right back and doing the same thing over again. Come back and ask for forgiveness. How long before you would start pulling back away from them just a little bit? If you keep doing it over and over and over, Jesus might just well pull back and say, when you turn around, I'll come back to you. Otherwise, my blessings are held back from you for now. If, you would, if we would do that to somebody we care about, you don't think Jesus would do that the way he loves us? Hold his blessings back from us when we're not living our life according to his will? I couldn't blame him if he does. Charles Spurgeon wrote, Common to common is the sin of forgetting the Holy Spirit. The church will never prosper until more reverently it believes in the Holy Ghost. Charles Spurgeon was quoted as being the prince of preachers. He preached to thousands and thousands of people at one time. They wanted to come hear him. The people's preacher, they called him. So if the Holy Spirit's around us all the time, how are we living our life? Are we living it please God or are we living it to please the world I read another story that I normally don't give to him one time this, this needs to be brought preacher was talking of a member whose wife hated God 
and hated her husband and grew, was growing more to hate him every day. But made his life miserable as she could. He told her, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to love you and I'm going to stay with you. If you choose to reject me, reject God, then I'll let you be the one to leave, but I'm not leaving. I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to ask God to give me strength when I can't take it no more. Give me love when I can't love no more. She kept getting worse. Till finally he prayed, Lord, I deliver my wife into your hands. I can't take it no more. But she is yours and in your hands. He woke up the next morning and turned over to touch her and she was dead. You might have thought I was going to say she repented. She turned her life around, didn't you? God will give up on you if that's what you want. He don't want to, but if that's what you want, he'll let you. Friends, Jesus don't want to judge nobody. Hell wasn't meant for you and me. It was meant for those that fell from heaven, along with Satan. He don't want to have to judge you and send you there. That's not his wish. He loved us so much that the Father sent him to give his life on the cross. To give his life for a wicked sinner like me and like you. That his shed blood could cover a multitude of sins. That I'd be able to stand and you would be able to stand in the presence of a holy God. If you need that kind of love from a Savior, don't turn your back on him. Don't. Some of the sins that Jesus can forgive, all the sins you committed before you asked him to be your Savior. Sin of omission, adultery, lust, greed, drunkenness, using God's name in vain. The list could go on. We could have a list that long and still be going. But the bottom line, you're serving one of two people today. You're either serving Jesus or you're serving Satan. That might sound cruel, but that's just a fact. You're serving one of two people. So who are you serving today? Are you giving your life to Jesus to let him be your Lord and Savior? If you are, you're full of the Holy Spirit and you ought to be praising him for it. But if you're not, then when you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you in that soft, smooth, still voice, don't reject him. Don't be, be like that deacon I was talking about. Wait until God has to slap you upside the head and say, this is your last opportunity. Is there anybody in here that could raise their hand and tell me the day, the hour, the minute, the second you're going to take your last breath? I don't think so. We don't know two things. We don't know when we're going to take our last breath, and we don't know when the Father's going to say, enough, go get your bride. So we need to be prepared, don't we? We need to be ready. 
Don't let Satan trick you to wait. Don't let him t get you sidetracked. That's one of his favorite tricks, to delay and, and sidetrack you, lead you away. He wants as many as he can to take with you. Don't volunteer to go with him. Here in just a minute, altar, well, the altar's always open. I'll tell y'all that. I'll tell y'all that every week probably. The altar's always open. If you need to come and pray, pray. If you need to come talk to me, come talk to me. But don't let Satan be the leader. Let God be the leader. Let Jesus be your Savior. Nick, as you, if y'all come, let, let the Lord be the Savior of your life. Heavenly Father, we can place this time in your care. Ask for your blessing. Be with us, Lord. If there's a, a decision needs to be made, not just in this house, but wherever somebody's listening, let it be today. Don't let Satan be the lead, but let Jesus be the lead.
Who would be saying that they are happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Does everybody have a bulletin this morning? If you don't, if somebody would get them for them, I'd appreciate it because there's a lot of scripture this morning. Most of it's already wrote down in the bulletin for you. If you would, turn to 1 Thessalonians in your Bible, if you have them with you, 4.13. That's where we're going to start here in just a few minutes. I guess I ought to put these on so I can see what I'm reading. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, I for one, I'm happy to be in the house of the Lord. I can't think of anywhere I'd rather be. Let me ask you a question. The rapture. Or Jesus coming back for his bride, Jesus coming back for his church, however you want to say it. What do you believe about it? Do you believe it at all? Many do believe in it. And there are and we're looking forward to the return of our Christ. But there are many that think, well, we're going to be here to at least a three and a half year point. There's some that think we're going to go all the way through the tribulation and then join Christ right before the battle of Armageddon. I don't understand those those concepts, but that's what they believe. And then of course we have many that just flat don't believe, period. Right here in this town there's too many, as we all know. Well, let's see what the Bible has to say about it. And for those that are out there thinking the word rapture is not in the Bible, you're right. It's not. The word rapture is not in the Bible. But there's plenty of wording about the rapture in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Paul tells us, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so... Them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them that are asleep. For the Lord himself shall defend, descend from heaven with a shout of the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. Now, what did Jesus have to say about some of it? Matthew 24, 32. That's why I had Teresa put all these scriptures in the bulletin so y'all could turn to them ahead of time if you need wanted to. I'll give y'all a minute to get turned there. Matthew 24. Now learn, 32, now learn the parable of the fig tree. When this branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when you see these things, know that it is near even at the door. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. 
Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my, my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. You, do you believe it's going to be quick when it happens? Yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. I just want to give you food for thought. For those that say we're going through at least three and a half year period or going through all of it, explain this to me. After chapter three in Revelation, you really do not see the church mentioned anymore. You find witnesses, you find the bride of Christ, you find those that are left behind that might be believers after the fact, but you don't really see the church. The church age ends at chapter, end of chapter 3 is what many believe. And there's one thing that many believe, and I'm not going to argue with them, that in 1948 when Israel came into being its own nation, that Jesus was referring to this in Matthew 24, 32. And Isaiah prophesies this in Isaiah 66, 8. It's just one verse. If y'all, I'll read it to y'all if y'all don't want to take time to turn back to it. Who has heard such a thing or who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion tra travailed, she brought forth her children. Some of us, I wasn't, but there's some here that was alive in 1948, remember when Israel became a nation. And what happened immediately thereafter? Many of the Jewish people started flooding back in, didn't they? I would say that was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Between these two verses, I, I feel like that Jesus, on the parable of the fig tree, is referring to Israel. And he tells us this generation shall not pass away before we see the return of Jesus. Well, if this generation is not going to pass away, how long are we guaranteed, are we told that a life is? Psalms 9010, again, it's just one verse. The days of our years are three score and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is yet by is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it will soon be cut off and we fly away. Three score and ten, seventy years. If we make it to eighty or more, it's by the grace of God. If, and I believe it is, that verse 32 is referring to Israel and that generation won't pass away, would you say we're on the cuff of it? For somebody to know that Israel became their, 
became a nation. It couldn't be a, an infant child for them to know it. So they had to be a young, young child at least. So we're already approaching the 70 and 80 year mark. I'm not, I, no, I'm not putting a date on it. I, I would never do that. I'm just saying we're, we're headed toward it fast. But let's look at what's going on in this day and age that could point to the return of Jesus to take his bride home. Jesus warns us that it's going to be like the days of Noah. Would anybody argue that we're, we're probably real close to that? Let's start with marriage and take a look at it. The Bible tells us that God ordained marriage, but nowadays we're told by many that it's old-fashioned and something that should be done away with. Just love who you want to this week, and we'll decide next week who we're going to love. That's not the way it's to be, folks. Jesus tells us in Mark 10, if y'all want to turn there, I'll give y'all a minute, 10, verse 6 through 9. But from the beginning of creation, God made him male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So they said, no more, more be twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man, not man put asunder. Nowadays we are told that it's okay to marry a man to a man or a woman to a woman. It's not okay in God's eyes, and it never will be okay in God's eyes. And I'd rather be right with God than man. Leviticus, this is one verse, Leviticus 18.22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as womankind is an abomination. They have gone so far as claiming that there is more than two genders. Well, the Bible tells us God made male and female. To me, that's only two. They claim there's a, what, 160 or something like that? I don't know where they get that. We all got two genders and 160 mental disorders. Yeah. <laughs> and would anybody disagree with me that murder's on the rise? It's definitely on the rise, isn't it? Not a day goes by you don't hear about it. And in some areas, it's not hardly an hour goes by you don't hear about it. Evil is running rampant, my friends. And it seems to be getting worse every day. And this one's one y'all better listen to, especially young ladies. And it's sad for me to have to say this. But you hear more and more about kids and young women being abducted and forced into being sex slaves. Young folks, you'd be wise to be on guard when you're out there alone. Better yet, just have some friends with you. Be, there's safety in numbers. But there's a lot of sick and twisted folks out there looking for an opportunity, especially young ladies, to kidnap them and sell them into slavery. So all of us need to be watching out, especially for our young folks. If you see something that don't look right, it probably is not right. If you see a young lady hollering and screaming, 
somebody dragging her into a van or a car or something, chances are she needs help. Here's another one. I bet every one of you will agree with. Drugs are available on what seems like just any corner, don't they? If you want them, they're not hard to find. And man's thoughts are getting more evil and further from God every day. There's no question that we're in the days of Noah. And what about this? Though I'm old enough, I'm well old enough to remember this. Who remembers in the late 1980s they started talking about the New World Order? We had a president that made mention of it. It hasn't stopped being talked about. They're still discussing it. They're telling us that we all need to come together under one leadership. World leaders are pushing for it, so it's coming. For the Bible even tells us in the book of Revelation when the Antichrist takes over everything along with a false prophet under the control of Satan, there will be a one world government. If you don't think so, get your Bible out and read the book of Revelation. It's there. Now, how many places have you seen lately that's going to self-checkout? Lots and lots more every day, isn't it? You know why? The cashless society. They've been pushing for it for a long time. Most of us here are old enough to remember when they came out with checks. Oh, you can write a check. You don't have to carry money. Then credit cards. Then debit cards. Where it takes money right out of your account. Just like a check, but it takes it right out of your account. Step by step by step to a cashless society, friends. It's happened before we realized it. This was planned a long time ago. And businesses are pushing toward it. With this COVID mess, they're wanting a cashless society. No touch money. And in case y'all hadn't heard this, for the ones that might not have heard it, they have developed a microchip that they can put in your hand. They're claiming all they're putting on is just medical and banking information. But it's a microchip. How hard is it going to be to put something else on it? It's not. And guess where it works the best by what I read? Would you guess there? In the right hand? Don't the Bible talk about that? They will take a mark in their right hand or forehead. That, that's in Revelation 6, 13, 16. That chip they claim, like I said, they claim that it's only good for medical information, banking information, and maybe they could set it up to where you, instead of having to carry a card to scan, you could use that to scan to get into where you work. Hey, you've done added three things to it. How much more can you add to it? And it's a microchip. How hard is it going to be for somebody to hack it? And then what's going to happen? Avoid it, friends. 
And on the forehead, I wonder, and I'm not saying I'm right here, this is my thoughts, you make your own decision. I wonder if they're not, it's not referring to the iris scan, where they scan your eye. Because what I've read about it, your eye identifies you just like your fingerprints do. It's unique to you. So is that what they're referring to by the forehead? I don't know. But it's a possibility. And business owners are encouraging their employees to do this. And there's people, why not? It's just got bacon and health information on it. No big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal, friends. A very big deal. If people are willing to do it now, how much faster are they going to be willing to do it after the rapture when the Antichrist takes over? We can get in more into that here in a minute. And I know y'all have been hearing it, and it's tearing my heart out how many Christians are being killed in this world every day. The name of Jesus triggers evil in a lot of people. And just about a, not a day goes by you don't hear about some Christians being killed just because they believed in Jesus, especially in the Muslim-controlled areas. For they believe that they need to kill somebody that's not a believer in Islam. And that'll put, put them in favor with their God. Or they can die killing somebody that's not a believer. And that'll put them in favor of their God. Well, my Jesus died for me, so I don't have to die. Friends, we live in a very exciting time, don't we? But it should be a very scary time to somebody that don't believe. Because if you don't believe in Jesus, with time getting short like it is, you're going to wish you had. And we need to stand firm, stand strong on the name of the Lord. There's too many people in this world that don't, don't want to believe the fact that Jesus is the only way. I have literally heard them say, we're all going to the same place, we're just going different directions. I'm sorry, maybe we're not going to the same place if you're not going through Jesus. Because if you're not going through Jesus, you're going straight to hell. John 4, 14, 6, Jesus tells us, I am the way to the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Does that sound like there's a hundred different ways? There's one way. And I'm telling you, friends, there's coming a day when this world's going to be thrown into total chaos. When the Father tells Jesus, enough. And he tells Jesus, go get your bride. And we meet him in the air. We're told this is going to take place in the twinkling of an eye. The twinkling of an eye by what I read 
is 11 one hundredths of a second. That's less than a second. All those who have died and believe in Jesus and those of us of alive that believe in Jesus will be gone in less than a second. Is that quick? Every one of us in less than a second. And those left behind here on earth, it's going to be the worst thing you can imagine. And I'm not even sure you can imagine it. How bad it's going to be. We found just a little short video I want Teresa to share with y'all to give you an idea before I go any further. Then I'm going to go back into it. It's mostly just music, so don't worry about the sound. And what little talking there is is foreign language.
you see what's going to happen? As you just saw, the first few minutes after we're gone, there's going to be cars crashing, trucks crashing, no drivers in them, trains with nobody at the control, planes with no pilots. If they own autopilot, they'll fly till they're out of fuel and they'll still come down. Many will be on these planes in total panic. Those many that were sitting beside them and all small children are missing. Moms and dad in total panic, not knowing what happened to their babies and small children. Can you feel the fear starting to set in? Picture this, wrecked cars, trucks, trains, buses, planes, all sorts of watercraft all over the world. That's just a start. For those still here, there are going to be many. Their loved ones are no longer on earth, and they have no idea what happened. They'd be frantically searching for them and not understand where they've gone or what has took place. Can you feel the fear setting in on them? Feel of loss? No closure for it. And there's others that will know what happened. They had plans to get right with God one day. Well, that day's done come and passed now. Can you picture this world when the restraints of Satan are removed and he has full reign, full run? 
God's going to pass judgment on this world one day. And when we're out of here and Satan has full run, judgment's going to start. First three and a half years won't be as bad. They'll be bad, but they won't be as bad as the last three and a half. I've got a question. Is this something you want to go through? If it is, you might want to rethink your life. Because I promise you, you don't want to go through it. And it's easy to avoid the, the tribulation. It's easy. All you've got to do is believe on Jesus. Believe on Jesus as your Savior. He died for you. He walked out of that grave three days later. His shed blood covers all your sins. Regardless what they are. Give your life to Him. Let Him be your Lord and Savior. And then you won't have to face it. There's going to be many on this earth that are going to be left behind. There are going to be many, just like in the days of Noah. Y'all have heard me say this before, and I believe it still today, that we're in that last seven days when God left, the, after everybody was loaded up on the ark, he left the door open for seven days. And I believe we're in that seven days now. They was all talking about old crazy Noah. But when the door shut and the rain started coming, how many of them wanted on the ark then? So I'm asking you, wherever you are, do you want to get right with Jesus before the door closes? Don't walk out that door or find somebody to, to lead you if you don't know how to. But get right with Jesus today. Because we don't know when this is going to happen. We've looked at the evidence. What the Bible tells us. Jesus himself said, no man knows the day and the hour. He don't even know when the Father's plan is. But he gave us indications. And the indications are at the door. So... What are you going to do with what you know? If you're a believer, are you going to go out and tell others, look, this is, this is real. We need to. Today, I'm asking you, where do you stand with Jesus? Do you know him as your Savior? Do you know him as your love, the love of your life? You are his child. Moms and dads, let me ask you. If you had a child that was fixing to do something dangerous, would you not try to stop them? Yeah. And Jesus was trying to stop us from having to go into it. Heavenly Father, we come to you, placing this time in your care, asking for your blessings to be poured out. If there's a decision to be made, not just here, Lord, but wherever somebody might be living, 
pray today would be the day. We don't know the day and hour, but we know that it's, it's coming. And we place it in your care. Precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'll stand and uh, as we sing 434, I have decided to follow Jesus.
Somebody's phone up here. I don't know whose this is. Yeah, they'll get it. 